Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. It's your girl, Sonya McQueen, with It's Your Life. What are you doing with it? So I want to talk a little bit about worshiping. Worshiping. You know, do you worship anything or anybody or any entity, whatever? I watched a show yesterday, and it was so, it was a documentary, and it was so mind-boggling to me, mostly because I have never worshipped money. I have honestly never even thought I want to be rich in my life. Even when my books came out, um, I was on TV and people were talking about making my first book into a movie. I still never thought rich, ever. When I walked away from everything, people were like, you're walking away from money. And I never thought of it that way. Money has never been a heartbeat to me. Isn't that crazy? I I guess I don't play the lottery because I don't care. Um, I keep saying I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I don't buy lottery tickets because I need all my dollars. You know, you go and you scratch off and you've already spent however many dollars it costs and you lose. That's money I could have used for something else, a bottle of water or something. I literally think like that. But the show I watched yesterday, it was so compelling. It was talking about... It was showcasing people who worship money. And they had Kim Kardashian, um, and they had a lot of people I didn't know. But, like, I know Charlie Sheen. So the, the, the stripper he got caught with back in the day, she was one of the people. They had the manager of Magic City talking about just different people. But... One I want to speak about, and then I want to say something personal. There was a guy, he um, he was a billionaire, I believe. If he wasn't a billionaire, he was close to a billionaire. And he did the hedge, hedge fund, you know, accounting, whatever. And he was making money hand over foot. So the, the, the commentator, the, the photographer, the person doing the show... It actually showcased her and her family as well. But while she did this of a span over 25 years, so some of the people she had interviewed 25 years ago or took pictures of, it was showing them then and now. But he was one, not from 25 years ago, but from years ago. And he's sitting there with a big stogie in his mouth, smoking, you know, and just money, 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 money. You know, money is important. I can't get enough of it. I've got, I think he said I've got over $800 million and all I still think about is money. I just want more money. And that's all he was talking about. Smoking and talking about the best of this and I can have anything I want and I can have the best. I can, I can go here and I can go there. And, you know, then... He was talking about the women and his wife and his kids and money, 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 money. So later on in the show, they interviewed him again. He's smoking and now he's talking about he's on the 10 most wanted list next to Bin Laden and how disgusting that is because he's nothing like Bin Laden. You know, he he makes his money. You know, he doesn't hurt people and this and that, but they had him as a, a crook pretty much. And that he stole from all these people. Um, and eventually, they show him again. And they show him again. 
after he got caught and he went to prison for 18 months, he had a life sentence over his head, but he ended up doing 18 months and he got out. And he was saying then how before he went in, he had uh, put his wife on a private jet and they went to some other country just for dinner. And he said, and there were all these yachts all around him. And he was pointing that one or that one or that one or that one or that one. What do you want? And he said, and that woman looked at me and then he started crying. And he said, and she told me, all I want is for you to put your phone down and have a good dinner. Let's enjoy our evening. All he's thinking about is money. And all she's thinking about is quality time. At the very end, this very same guy was sitting next to a disgustingly empty pool full of nasty, muddy rainwater, I'm sure. And I'm sure he had nothing. And he said he moved to Germany. You know, he felt like he wasn't welcome in the United States anymore. And it looked like he was just living a normal life. But he was crying and he was saying, anybody whoever just talks about being rich, 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 apparently has never been rich before because richness doesn't come from money. It comes from seeing the smiles on your kid's face and spending quality time with them and, and, and seeing your wife happy. And apparently he missed out on all that while he was chasing money, which is my point today. What are you chasing, if anything, that takes you away from your family. You know, I, I was very honest. I've never chased money. I've never been into money like that. I've always prayed for enough. And by God's grace, ever since I started praying for enough, you know, when I started doing that, when I ended up in Texas homeless and gave up my son for adoption, I never wanted to be in such a, a predicament again. So once again, I just never paid to be rich. I prayed for the wisdom and enough to make it through and praise the Lord. I've never been in such a situation again, but there are other things like going out. That was more important to me than making money and taking care of my child, even though she was well taken care of. And if you asked it to this day, I've said this before, she swears she had the best childhood ever, but I was very selfish. I was extremely selfish I loved to dance. I used to enter dance contest. I felt like I could outdance everybody. I wanted to dance for MC Hammer. I was able to make it, but I didn't do it because of my daughter's father. And I would move from place to place to place to place like it was nothing. I think I told you guys that I lived in 26 places from the time my daughter was born. She's 32 now, y'all, from the time she was born until. Um, I don't know if I want to say she graduated. I can't remember how I counted it until she graduated, until she was 20. But she moved out at 16 or at 17 after she graduated. But the point is, I didn't really worship anything, but I didn't really sit and think about the best quality of anything either. I like to go out. I like to have fun and dance. I didn't do drugs. I wasn't an alky or anything. I like my beer, but I like to go. 
I like to sit around, play cards, and I cannot tell you back then, yeah, I would like walk with her, but I can't tell you any quality time from the time my daughter was born until she was three that I spent with her. I was there and I kissed and loved on her, but I can't tell you any quality time I could talk about right now. Um, it wasn't worshiping other things. It just wasn't worshiping her the way I should have. I was blessed with her. And I didn't do the things that I deem I should have done back then. Right? So let's fast forward. Later on, I did kind of start worshiping my job. And we're talking much later. Because before I left Missouri, when I had the opportunity to make a lot of money, I still wasn't into money. I walked away from everything that could have probably made me a millionaire right now. Y'all, John Singleton wanted to make a movie for my first book. So I wasn't even trying to follow up on that. I felt like, well, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. He'll talk to my manager and they'll get it done. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't get all excited. I didn't call people. None of that. I felt like if it was going to happen, it would happen. If not, not. It wasn't a big deal to me. And when I moved here, I walked away from all that, right? But then I started working these long hours. I started making up for all that lost time where I was just working. And I'm working now 14-hour days, 15, 16, 17-hour days. And I meet my husband and, and, you know, I had quality time for him. But then after we got engaged, I was working really long. I was going in like 6 a.m., only car in the parking lot at the Department of Health. Only car. Dark outside still. And go to that office. I'd watch everybody come in a couple hours later, greet everybody, have a huddle. At the end of the day, you know, wish them all a safe drive home, hug up everybody, go back to my office and work another two, four hours after closing. Come home exhausted, shower, get in bed. I did that for a long time, y'all. For years. You know how much quality time I was missing out working at a company where I was easily replaceable. They didn't replace me, but they didn't care when I left either. They didn't care when I left either. I took them from the worst of this, that, this, that, built a company for them, got them all these kudos, all these awards. We were the best in the nation of this, this, and this that I was in charge of, that I was putting together. And when I left, it didn't matter because I didn't take any of those awards with me. They belong to them. I didn't take any of that with me. That's their stuff. Nobody told me to come in at six in the morning. Nobody told me to stay until eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, even 11 o'clock at night. I did that because I felt like it was a necessity. And then I come home and miss out on everything and do it over and over. And it got so bad, I was working on Saturdays and Sundays from the house. I wake up and get my laptop out, go for a run, come back, get on my laptop, do work. Maybe I'll go out to dinner with my husband later on because we have date night every Saturday. But you know how much quality time I missed out on while I was doing all that? Do you know how much quality time so many people miss out on feeling like they have to work these long hours in these jobs that aren't theirs? They don't own the company. 
You know what happens to that vice president who just worked for the last 10 years, an average of 14 hours a day for 10 years, and he dropped dead? He was buried. They mourned him. They talked about him, and they replaced him, and the company kept going. But he missed out on so much family time working for a company that he was replaceable at. No company is going to say, well, such and such is in the hospital or such and such is overloaded, so we got to slow down. We got to pull back. They're about their money. And if you want to spend all your time, it's okay now. If you're trying to learn something new or get somewhere and you got to do that, for X amount of time, it's understandable. But if you're doing it every day, year round, and you're missing on what's most important because you're chasing that job, that's different now. It's different when you're chasing money because some people will do anything for money. And I do mean anything for money. That money is most important because they want to look a certain way. They want to wear certain things. They want to carry that, that Birkin bag, that, that new um, Fendi, Coach, whatever. They want to pull up in that dang on brand new 700 series Beamer, that, that Mercedes 500 class, 700 class, whatever the highest class is. They want to drive that Rolls Royce, you know, that Escalade. Whatever makes them look like they're popping. Wear the nicest of the nice clothes. The, you know, <laughs> it's crazy how much attention people need. You go to social media and you see these people flossing for the gram. Oh my gosh. They're here. They're there. They're traveling all over the world. They're wearing the nicest, the most expensive. Yeah, you can't do it like me. We're on these yachts. We're on this. And they really don't have enough money to buy a pot to piss in. They're faking it because they want to make it. But what they're doing is chasing that money. And what is the saying? You can't worship God and money at the same time. A lot of people don't care. They'll just worship the money. Even people in church, <laughs> they worship that money. They're on the pulpit. They're saying they worship God, but they're telling you 10, 20 times in their sermon, more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. And then you look and they're doing nothing for the communities, but they're begging you for that money. I think I, I told you, but just in case you didn't hear it, I went, uh, a church, it was a mega church, asked me to come and speak. And I had never been to this church. So me and my daughter, we went to this church and we're sitting there and, um, they ask for, I can't remember how many people, I'm just going to say 20 people, 20 people right now. I need 20 people right now to bring a thousand dollars up here right now. And people running up there, running 20 people, 20 people right now, right now. And then it went down to 800 something. Now I need 30 people to bring $850 right now. People up there just writing checks, throwing checks, throwing checks, throwing. I mean, streaming people, streaming people. You see all these checks and cash all about his feet. Then he went to 500 something. Then he went to 300 something. But he ended with, for some reason, 126 or 124. And he asked for 100, 100 people to bring that amount whatever it was, 100 plus people. 
And when I tell you it was a cluster, people were just running up there and he's laughing in the mic, <laughs> just laughing. And I'm just sitting there looking, thinking, is he ever going to give a word or, and this is what got me, y'all. When he calmed everybody down, people running around shouting. He hasn't even preached. Nobody's saying nothing. They run around shouting, hallelujah. He's got all this money at his feet, all this money. And then a couple of people come and they're just, just breaking up the money, putting it in bags, putting it in bags. First thing he said was, if anybody wrote a bad check, I'm going to embarrass you next Sunday. Ha, 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 ha. And then he said, those who gave the most will be blessed the most. Those who gave the least will still be blessed, but not as much. And those who didn't give it all won't be blessed at all. Then he gave another opportunity for people to bring money. Of course, people got up, including me. But I got up and went the opposite way. I got my child and said, let's go. I am not speaking at a place to people who will miss my point because I'm not coming to worship what you're worshiping. This is a house of God and you're worshiping money. I don't care who I make mad right now. Well, I'm not going to say his name. But there is a TV evangelist right now who has made it clear he worships money. I know there are a lot of them, y'all. I know there are a lot of them, male and female. I know there are a lot of them, but there's this one in particular. He's always made it clear. He talks about the watches he wears, how much they cost what car he drove or what car he rode in the church, his private jet, doing this and doing that, that people flock to him. You know why? I learned that people feel like if they associate or they are around people like that, it will make them richer. God will bless them more. But you show me in the Bible where it says God blesses the people who beg and, and take more money for themselves and do things for themselves. He blesses them more. You show it to me. And I'll give to that person. You know, worshipers of money are missing out on so many things because they'll do anything for it. They'll do anything for it. And they forget what's really important. And I'm going to go back to what that first guy said. He said, anybody who just talks about money, money, and being rich has never had because what's really valuable, what's really, what really makes you rich is your children's laughter and happiness and to see a smile on your wife's face. You guys, do what matters the most. Yesterday, I played Hungry Hippo with the kids and then I came in here and I put the TV on freebie. I'm not a big TV person, but I put it on freebie and I was watching the show I was just talking about and I cannot remember the name of it. While I've been talking to you guys, I scrolled a little bit to see if I could find, it's called Generational Wealth. Generation Wealth. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Generation Wealth. While I was watching it, the kids came in. Now, I feel like I just played with them and I spent time with them. We danced and everything. Now I'm just sitting in here and they kept coming in here to talk to me and I was getting uh, aggravated and I would pause the TV. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, yes, no, yes, no. And finally I said, hey, listen, y'all leave me alone while I watch this show. They're like, okay, grandma. 
They go in the kitchen and about five minutes later, I felt convicted. They've been stuck in the house because it's been raining. They're not going to camp right now. It's done. And they've been in the house all Tuesday, all Wednesday. Yesterday was Thursday. And I finally do something with them, but I limit it. I ain't got nothing else to do, y'all, now. But I limit it to until I want to do something else. So I sat here, and I did finish watching the show. But afterwards, I went outside. It wasn't raining. It was wet, but it wasn't raining. And it was dark. But I said, y'all put on your shoes. Let's go to the mailbox. It was like I said, y'all put on your shoes. Let's go to Disney. They were so excited. They put on their shoes. And instead of just walking to the mailbox, which is right uh, 200 yards away, we went on a mile walk. A little over a mile we just walked and ran and laughed and ran and chased each other and it was to them the just the utmost but I almost missed out I almost missed out not them because they would have kept doing whatever they were doing together but I almost missed out because a show that I could have watched anytime it's on freebie I could have paused it I could have stopped it seemed to be a little bit more important at the time. I've learned from my mistakes, have you? I don't get on Instagram and, and, and fake the funk, and I honestly don't even do anything other than occasionally post what I cook or when somebody's around or the kids or the grandkids, me and my husband. But it's not that important for people to look and say, ooh, ah, to my life. Do you know what makes me super proud besides the fact that my kids love me immensely? The fact that people actually tell me they want a relationship like me and my husband's and we don't floss. We don't floss. We just love each other. We love each other. And apparently it shows. People don't say, I want a car like yours, Sonia. I want a, a 2022 Mazda CX-5. I want a Cadillac Escalade like your husband. I want a home like yours. Ooh, girl, those clothes, those clothes, those shoes. Because I, I love my shoes. Oh, my God, the way you do your hair. Okay. What they envy, and I'm going to use that word, is my relationship with my husband. What I know for a fact a couple of other people look at and they're like, man, I want that, is the way my kids love me. And I can honestly say, I'm super proud of that. And that's something I don't mind people being envious of. I hope you get your own if you don't have it. But I don't mind. I don't mind. Because it's real. It's nothing I am doing to fake, to impress anybody. I'm living my life. And I hope I'm making somebody happy. All right, it's your girl. You know how to find me, Sonia M at ledbymotivation.com or ledbymotivation07 at gmail. Hit me up. Tell me what you thought about this podcast and if you have any ideas or want to be on the show. Have a good day on purpose.